Alrighty, it's the time in our service now for our message, which I have been given the great opportunity to bring tonight. Um, firstly, I'd just like to um, just thank you all and thank Pastor just for the opportunity, just to be able to open God's Word once more and just to be able to, to bring a message before you tonight. Uh, if you're turning your Bibles to First Samuel, we're we looking at First Samuel. Um, you know, I, I always find it to be a, a, great, um, a, a great privilege and also a great burden to, to try and pull from the Word of God um, what God has to say from it. And I take it as a great um, responsibility and just a great uh, a task, I guess one could say, um, to just try and rightly divide the Word of God. So um, I pray that that is the case tonight and that God will to just bless the reading of His Word. Um, I'll just start off with a, a word of prayer and we'll get started. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for the privilege to come before you tonight. Lord, I do pray as, I, as I've studied your word and Lord, as I bring it to these people tonight. Lord, I pray that as much as it would be convicting to them, Lord, I pray that it would also be convicting to me. And Father, I do pray that, Lord, anything of myself, Lord, I pray that you'd just wash that away, Lord, and that, Lord, only what is of you will remain tonight. And Father, I pray that you'd be pleased with this message, Lord, and that you would um, just be honoured above all things. And pray these things in your holy name. Amen. As Christians, there are many things that God desires us to be. There are many things that we, when we search God's word, that we find that there are things that he wants us to be. I want to start tonight by asking you a question. What would you say if I were to ask you, what is one thing you think God wants you to be? And I guess the answer to that question is different for each of us. Some of us might be, for some of us it might be, oh, God wants me to be a comforter. There are people around me that are hurting. God wants me to be loving. God wants me to be merciful. God wants me to be glorifying to him. God wants me to live a life of praising to him. And all of these things, I believe, can be all summed up in one very simple thing that God wants us to be. And this one thing that is so core to the Christian life, that is so core to all that we are, that if you take this one thing away, about the only thing we really have is our salvation. And there's no difference between us and the rest of the world. And that one thing is obedience. If we obey God, if we would keep his commandments, then all of these other things that we strive to be and that we hope for, we would achieve if only we could learn to obey God. Um, John 14, 15, the Bible reads quite simply this, if you love me, keep my commandments. Obedience is the core way that we might love God. You know, I've had the privilege of teaching and being a part of our Impact Kids here at, at this church and perhaps some of the kids here tonight recognize me from that um, and we've just been going through a course on respect and a, a big part of respect is obedience we ought to obey God if we respect him we ought to obey our parents if we respect him and I, from that I just wanted to say that this message on obedience is, I think is just as relevant for the youngest to the most elite of all of us, that if only we could learn to obey God, we would fulfill what it means to be a Christian, I believe. You know, we sing in, 
impact kids sometimes, obedience is the very best way to show that we, you believe. And I think this is so true. If we love God, we ought to obey him. To obey. It's, it's such a simple thing to say. It's such as you throw it out there like, just, you just got to obey. It's just this super tiny thing. Okay, God commands us to, to love as he loves, to obey as he obeys, to, to be merciful as he is merciful, to be gracious as he is gracious. And when you really bring it down to just obey is actually an insanely difficult task for all of us and especially for me. Because, you know, at times and often a lot of the time, we find it a lot easier to disobey God, to find, to do, and do things our own way rather than being submitted to what he has said. Circumstances come and we opt for doing it our way. We're now going to look in the book of 1 Samuel. In the book of 1 Samuel, more specifically the first half, is a story centred around people who wanted to do things their way rather than God's. People who, who refused to obey. So we'll be turning um, chapter 8, sorry. Um, and just to give some context leading up to this. So by this point, Samuel is now um, a fully established prophet. Um, and Israel, up until this point, just in this generation alone, has done great disobedience to God and have rejected him in the form of... Um, they took the Ark of the Covenant into battle when they were strictly not supposed to be. The Philistines were left to be able to defile the ark through chapters 5 and 6. Um, they look into the ark of the covenant in chapter 6, which is again strictly prohibited by God. And Samuel's own sons even pervert judgment in chapter, not, in chapter 8. And if we read now from our passage here in chapter 8, verses 1 through 7, which I'll just read. And it came to pass when Samuel was old that he made his sons judges over Israel. Now the name of the firstborn was Joel, and the name of the second, Abiah, they were judges in Beersheba. And his sons walked not in his ways, but turned aside after Lucre, and took bribes, and perverted judgment. Then all the elders of Israel gathered themselves together, and came to Samuel unto Ramah, and said unto him, Behold, thou art old, and thy sons walk not in thy ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations." But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed unto the Lord, and the Lord said unto Samuel, Hearken unto the voice of the people in all that they say unto thee, for they have not rejected thee, but they have rejected me, for that I should not reign over them. The part I want us to really hone in here is in, in verse 7. I, I find this um, to be the start of what it means Often in our lives, we think about obeying God. When we fail to achieve that, we can often very quickly fall into a mindset of, well, I failed to obey and therefore God doesn't want me and oh, what's the point in continuing on? But I find this, I find this very um, poignant in verse 7 that unlike at other points, like for example, when the Israelites looked into the Ark of the Covenant, God judged them immediately. Um, in this rejection of God, God actually extends a, a degree of mercy towards them. He doesn't enact immediate judgment. God doesn't destroy them with plague or torment. Rather, he lets them reject him. You know, we, we serve a merciful God. We serve a God that would rather have mercy than sacrifice. 
for all the sins of Israel, for all the disobedience of their generation and the generations that went before them, God was still a God of mercy. And you know what? This is just as true for us as it was for them. You know, very often throughout our lives we find ourselves in disobedience. We find ourselves in the sins that we cannot shake. God, he's not pushing us away. He's still ready to extend that mercy unto us. All it takes, though, is for us to just come back and to just do it right. When we sin, when we disobey, which we all have, it's not the end. It's not the end of our walk. It's just a slight step back, and all we need to do is we just need to remember that our God is a God of mercy. I very often find myself, when I make mistakes, when I fall into repetitive sins, when I find these things hard to shake, and I, I look back and I think, I'm supposed to be an intern under pastor, I'm supposed to be a Christian under God, and I find myself doing these things that I know I ought not to be. And so often I, I quickly give up. I quickly give up rather than remembering that my God is a merciful God and that we are still accepted before him. God won't force himself upon us as he would not force himself upon Israel. They rejected him as we reject him. But it is in his nature to have mercy and not sacrifice. God is mercy, yes. God is long-suffering, 100%. But at a certain point, judgment must surely come. At a certain point, if you'll turn in your Bibles to 1 Samuel 12 and verse 6, you'll see from verses 6 down to um, verse 12, um, where Samuel is instructed here to just um, to talk about some of the sins of, the, of, the, of Israel's forebearers, people that hadn't obeyed God. And we won't read all of it for time's sake, but um, even just a part of that in verse 8. And when Jacob was coming to Egypt, and your fathers cried unto the Lord, then the Lord sent Moses and Aaron, which brought forth their, your fathers out of Egypt and made them dwell in this place. And when they forgot the Lord their God, he sold them into the hand of Syria, captain of the host of Hazar. When people would turn to God, God would take them back. His mercy would be extended and he'd bring them back. He sent Aaron and Moses and when they turned away again, then judgment had must surely eventually come and eventually he had to push them back that they would return unto him. Israel rejected God. God, has given, God had given them a king despite their disobedience. Um, in, ver, in chapter 8, we see that God gives them the king that they, so, um, that they so desire. He gives them over to that, that they might reject him. And, but God also pronounces a judgment and a warning to Israel that their king that they've chosen would afflict them with much trouble and heartache. And we see that in uh, chapter 12, uh, verses 13. Now therefore, behold the king whom ye have chosen and whom ye have desired, and behold the Lord hath set a king over you. If you fear... The Oh, so this is sorry. This is this is God's um, this is God's last chance to them. So God has God is um, up until this point. He's spoken about um, that the forefathers who had sinned against Him that they got pushed back and then they were able to return. And now God is giving this last bit that even though that they have disobeyed Him, that even though they have made mistakes, He has given this this last 
chants, if you will, to them in verse 14. If you will fear the Lord and serve him and obey his voice and not rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then shall both ye and also the king that reigneth over you shall continue following the Lord your God. So even though that we met, even though we mess up, even though that Israel messed up, God still gave grace unto them. He still gave a degree of mercy and he said, if you'll just, even just now, even after all the mistakes you've made, you've rejected me, you wouldn't have me to reign over you, if only you'd take me back just now, I'll let you continue. But sadly, this isn't the, this isn't the way that this story ends. And Saul, as we know, he would become king. He would win incredible battles against the Philistines. He created mighty armies and captains of hosts. He became a strong, so strong that he, that he could fight all of his enemies on all sides. But in the end, his pride got to him and he forgot God's commandments. He forgot to simply obey. Saul undercut God's way of doing things and made sacrifices under God rather than waiting for Samuel to do it. So he had to go into a battle and he thought, well, I'm going to win this battle. I'm going to do it my way. But he knew he also had to make a sacrifice. And rather than waiting and doing it the way that God had made it to be done, he undercut God and did it his way. Not only that, he would then go on to lie about it. And then ultimately in chapter 15, um, he blatantly disobeys God and takes... um, He blatantly disobeys God's commandments and takes the spoils of Amalek in chapter 15. And in this instance, when God sent Saul and Israel against the uh, against Amalek, he instructed them that they should utterly destroy everything that was in there. That was a very simple commandment, a very simple thing. Just don't take anything. Just kill it all and walk away. But Saul refused to do that. And he would even then go on to try and lie to Samuel the prophet that he was doing it for God's sake. But Ultimately, God's judgment came, and enough is enough. And in chapter 15, verse 10, and the word of the, and then came the word of the Lord unto Samuel, saying, It repenteth me that I have set up Saul to be king, for he is turned back from following me and hath not performed my commandments. That being the key, he's not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel, and he cried until, unto the Lord all night. Obedience. All it takes is doing God's, what God has instructed in God's process, in God's way. Israel chose to disobey God in favour of their own way. You cannot please God by, doing something, by praising God in a good way, but doing it, by doing something good, but doing it the wrong way. For example, shall we do good? Shall we do evil that God may bless it? A sacrifice is a good way to praise God. There's a lot of things that we can do in this world that can be pleasing unto God. But ultimately, even the sacrifices of the Old Testament, they were only pleasing to God because they were what God had instructed to be done and to be done the way that he wants. God takes no pleasure in the death of animals. What he does take pleasure in, though, is the obedience of his servants. Sadly, though, Saul didn't do it God's way, and he leaned onto his own understanding. In his own way of serving God, eventually God's long-suffering ran out, and Saul was judged for his disobedience. 
You know, we see here that both from Israel and from Saul, that there is a lot of bad ways that we cannot obey God. But I'd like us to just um, even just hone in right now just on Samuel and just in the way that he did obey God and some of the implications that that means for us today. So I think it's not only right then that if we've learned how not to obey, we should learn how to obey correctly. In 1 Samuel 15, 12, um, the Bible reads this, And when Samuel rose early to meet Saul in the morning, so immediately after this we see, so God has rejected Saul. This is God's heart towards Saul. And Samuel, as God's prophet, as God's mouthpiece, he must also reject Saul. And so he rises early the next morning. In verses 19, he goes and he, um, he confronts Saul and he tells him, look, what you've been doing is not accepted by God and you won't, be, you won't be coming back from this. And in verse 35, he completes God's rejection of Saul by not speaking to him again until um, his deathbed. Saul obeyed when God wanted him to do it. He didn't delay. He, the very next moment he got, the very next morning, he was off to go and do what God had instructed him to do. If God has shown you a truth, if God has instructed you to mend a relationship, to make an apology of wrongs, then do it as soon as possible. You know, my mum always used to tell me, now son, delayed obedience is disobedience. I'm not sure how many, how many parents out there would agree with that. Delayed obedience is disobedience. I think, I think if we're honest, we can all agree to that and we all wish the kids at Impact Kids would just obey straight away. But at the end of it, so quickly we are to put it onto, our ki- onto the kids that we look after or onto our own children and we say, you should obey. And then when God, our Heavenly Father, says, you should obey, yeah, but can we do it later? Like, does it have to be right now? Is it, is it right now that we have to obey him? I mean, if we were to obey our, our earthly parents, how much more should we obey God Almighty, the King of kings and Lord of lords, Abba, our Father? I think we ought to be careful to instruct others underneath us to obey if we ourselves would not obey. The next point is actually a a really complicated one. It's actually do what God told you to do. In in chapter 15, verse 11, um, we saw that um, Samuel, as God's mouthpiece, he did what God said to do. He didn't didn't make excuse. He didn't do part of what God's rejection was. He completely rejected Saul. But most importantly, he rejected him despite his own feelings on the matter. You see, Samuel had a deep love for Saul. Samuel quite actually liked Saul, and he would, I'd probably even go as far as to say he thought he was his friend. And so when God had rejected Saul, it was something that, if we even look in verse, chapter 15, verses 35, the Bible even said, nevertheless, Samuel mourned for Saul, and the Lord repented that he had made Saul over the king of Israel. And in the next chapter, and the Lord said unto Samuel, how long wilt thou mourn for Saul? You see, Samuel, he, even though he had such a, a deep love for Saul, 
it didn't stop him from doing what God had told him to do. You know, sometimes we let our feelings stop us from simply obeying God. We think, oh, what are, we might offend that person if we say that we can't be doing that. You know, some, or we think, oh, I love that person, therefore I'll let it slide. Our emotions ought not to dictate whether or not we would obey God or whether we'd disobey. God's not looking for 101 excuses as to why we don't have to do it right now or why we shouldn't do it. He's just looking for a, exactly like Samuel was. Here am I. What do you require of me, Lord? And finally, in verse uh, chapter 16, um, Samuel is called again to do God's will, to anoint a new king, which um, we most commonly know just as David. We probably know the story. Samuel goes through all the sons of Jesse um, until God finally chooses David as the future king. David didn't look anything like Saul, but in faith Samuel anoints David as he was instructed. Not understanding why is never an excuse to not obey. You know, if, if you don't do, if you're waiting until God makes everything 100% clear for you, you will never do anything. Everything in this world, there is a degree of uncertainty. Everything in this world will, will require a degree of faith. And if we, if we aren't living a life of faith, if we're living a life of must understand everything, then we are not living a life of faith, we're living a life of sight. As silly as it might be, and the Bible is very clear that without faith it is impossible to please Him. As silly as it might seem, as a life group song goes, obedience is the very best way to show that you believe. It is the hallmark, I believe, of what it means to be a Christian. It's when God tells you to go, you go. And when He says for you to do something, you do it. And when He says to do it, you do it straight away. Obedience is what it means to be a Christian. If you obey God, then you love him indeed. If you disobey him, then can we truly say we love our God? My prayer for us, church, tonight is simply this, that we love our Heavenly Father as he loves us and that we just obey him.